Oh, hello everyone and welcome to episode 13 of the Music and Mindset Matters podcast. I'm Christy Russell, your host, and it's lovely to have you join me today, wherever you are listening. Um, it's really interesting, actually, I was looking at my, I can work out my statistics of who listens, um, the major countries that it's coming from, and yeah, just get a, like a, a report that I look at every couple of weeks to see how I'm tracking. And last month's downloads went really, really through the roof. It was quite popular, which was lovely. Um, but there are a lot of listeners in the United States of America, which is really interesting. I am based in Australia. Um, and I would have sort of guessed, I suppose, that uh, most of the listeners are in Australia, but no, they seem to be coming from America. So hello, I've never been to the United States of America before, but I would love to come um, and see that part of the world. And yeah, it's really interesting. You can, um, yeah, you can see where th people are listening, but you can't really see who or what kind of other demographics, but yeah. Hello to everybody. I really appreciate you for um, for taking the time to tune in wherever you are. Um, and, you know, d don't be afraid to leave a comment or, you know, ask me a question or um, even ask me, can you do an interview on this or can you talk about this or that? You know, I really like hearing from other people what their interests are and what they'd like to hear. So, um, yeah, please don't hesitate to get in touch if you uh, that person. So today's episode, oh, I love every person that I interview, you know, I really have a great time, but I really get quite emotional listening to this one um, throughout the interview with Joe, but also the few times that I've listened back to it to get some information, to write my notes, to um, help me, you know, support my blog, um, this week's kind of theme. And, and um, I think the emotional reaction or response comes from Jo is such a down-to-earth person she really is she's had such a um she's had a really challenging upbringing and she'll talk about that she's very honest and unapologetic about that and um you know it really goes to show that at the start of your life or you know any time in your life you make of it what you can and um, for some people, you know, they it becomes their strength and their fuel to succeed in life and to do good things. And you know, for th that's really the case with Joe. Um, I just realised I haven't told you anything about her. Um, okay, Josephine Lancuba is my special guest today. She is an award-winning performing arts, business, and talent management professional. So she is based in Sydney. She's an educator, speaker, talent agent, writer. She spent two decades in the arts industry, leading and managing dance studios and entertainment and production-based businesses. She's even had her own musical theatre studio for 10 years um, and its in-house talent, talent management service as well. I am reading off her bio because, you know, I want to make sure that I'm doing all the wonderful things, doing her justice by explaining where she's come from and and what her, you know, what her highlights of her career and her um, her industry um, accolades, I suppose you would call them. So Joe and I actually met virtually through the business coaching program we're both members of and we really quickly hit it off and we formed a friendship through our passion for music but also through our love of creating communities of learning rather than that kind of 
like a dog eat dog world you know the winner takes it all I just had to throw that in it just came out of me sorry <laughs> um, I hope you appreciate that little drama Joe. <laughs> um, yeah but she really you know that's that's one thing we really share in common is that you know we just need to spread kindness and spread compassion and you know um, foster this idea that everybody has everybody has a gift everybody has something to share it might not look the same as the next person and you know we can't all be stars of the show but there's so many different roles in production and in life that are important and that you know behind the scenes is just as important as in in front of scenes and I'm talking about life in general I'm talking about sports I'm talking about in the business world you know um you know, and I really, like I said earlier, um, from a young age, Josephine really had to make her own way in the world. And she did that. She went from this hardship and humble beginnings to really successfully creating multi six-figure performing arts businesses. And that's because she has this passion and this joy and commitment. And, you know, she was a performer herself. Um, and so that she's, she's really um, almost climbed up the ladder, I suppose, not that, you know, the top is where you want to be but she's done all the things that needs to support you um, um, support others and teachers and students so she knows all about it firsthand so and you know that's really why she's just so successful Um, and in this episode you will hear her talk about that journey um, and you know talk about her um, her coach, her coaching program, Studio Biz Success, um, Talent Manager Bootcamp, which she has as a course. This is a world first, you know. She teaches studio owners actually how to create their own in-house talent agencies. So she's such an advocate for creating inclusive and positive opportunities for talent and industry. And, you know, I, I know that you're just going to absolutely love this episode. Um, make sure you... Uh, download the freebie that she talks about as well i'll put the link in the show notes it's her free resource for how to engage um and uh you know make sure that you're getting those students for the next you know student re-enrollment and retention it's her checklist so that's really useful and it's free which is fantastic so everything will be in the show notes everything that we chat about um how to get in touch with joe and um now's a great time to go and grab yourself a drink or pop your shoes on if you want to go for a walk and listen to the episode and um yeah i'll see you in a minute okay bye hello and welcome to the music and mindset matters podcast i'm your host christy russell i'm a music and mindset mentor and founder of movers and shakers music I'm also a trained early childhood teacher, piano teacher, musician, mum of two, wife and passionate Aussie entrepreneur. I'm on a mission to spread the magic and power of music and mindset to as many people as possible. Every day I tap into the power of music and mindset and every day I notice how much more focused, resilient and connected I am at work and at home. You could even say I am more in tune with myself and the world around me. And I want that for you too. If you're passionate about early childhood education, curious about the relationship between music, mindfulness and the human brain, then this podcast is for you. Join me each week as I discuss all things to do with music, mindfulness and why it matters so much to be advocating for this in early childhood. 
My goal is to inspire you with stories, research findings, and a whole heap of practical tips so that you can have the confidence and skills to embed music and mindset practices into your daily routines and your early learning programs. Because when we love music, we love learning, we love life. Let's tune in. Well, hello and welcome Jo Lancuba to the Music and Mindset Matters podcast. How are you today, Jo? Good, good, good. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's so lovely to have you here. And I read a little bit of your bio out in the introduction, but I'd love for you to tell our listeners just a little bit about you, like your backyard Barbie pitch, I like to call it, yeah. rather than the elevator <laughs> pitch. Uh, right. So go, um, Jo. Awesome. Yeah. Hi, everyone. My name is Josephine Langcuba, and I have been in the performing arts for over two decades. Uh, I started my career as an artist, uh, but now I have my own performing arts studio. So it's been a long journey to here. Uh, I went from being a studio owner about 10 years ago, and then I started in the world of online coaching. So now I'm also a performing arts business coach talent manager and speaker. Uh, that's a real nutshell. There is so much in there, uh, but that that's what I do. So yes, I've gone from the artist to becoming the business owner, the studio owner, to then becoming a mentor and coach. So that's been a two decade long journey. <laughs> Let's just say that. I think that's a wonderful journey to have because you've gone through all the the natural progression, I suppose, or the natural seasons, you've experienced what it's like firsthand to be a performer. Mm. Then, as you say, you've stepped up that little level of responsibility, your knowledge, skill set to have your own. And now you're at the point of you've you've learnt so many wonderful skills that you're able to pass on that knowledge and wisdom and support to other other studio owners. I think that's a fantastic way to do things. Mm, I must mention that. as well, prior to being a studio owner, I actually did uh, teach for others. So I was, you know, oh, facilitating gosh. workshops, classes, working in other studios. Uh, my sister actually had her own dance studio, funnily enough. Um, so, you know, so there was always that sort of influence in yeah. my life. Yeah. And that's where it, it comes from. Yeah. And tell me, let's backpedal a little bit because I'm always interested in finding out um, where, how people get into where they've, you know, where they are now. Like, were you always a perform? Were you always in the performance sort of as a child? Did you play, sing? What, what's, What's your special skill set, by the way? Are you a singer, dancer? Yeah, so I, I would call myself a singer and actor yep. who who danced. Yeah. Uh, funnily enough, most of my training was in dance, but I ended up being more confident as a vocalist and as an actor. Uh, these days I would call myself a singer-presenter rather yeah. than an actor, but, yeah, that's how it progressed. But as a kid, you know, I absolutely loved it. My sister always was dancing. Uh, I've got two older sisters. One was a pianist. The other was a, a dancer. Yeah. Funnily enough, I ended up the singer. So, <laughs> but... I, I definitely come from the school of hard knocks. So I grew up in quite a turbulent family life, very broken home, um, background of domestic violence, things like that. And so growing up in that environment, music was my sanctuary. It truly was. And even before I knew how to 
you know, sing, read music, any of those sorts of skills. I just dreamed of it. Like my sister would play the piano and I still remember she used to play Memories from the musical Cats. And I just fell in love with the music so much. And I used to take her music book off the piano and like go into the backyard and pretend I was reading the notes and just, you know, sing along to it. And so, you know, that's really where my love for it came from. It was from the influence of my sister's. My creative journey was because by the time I came along, I'm the youngest of the three. So mm-hmm. when when there's a breakdown in a family, usually the youngest gets, <laughs> well, the oldest experiences and sees what's happening. Yes. The middle one just, you know, has that middle child syndrome for sure. <laughs> Poor middle and child. And the youngest one I think ends up maybe not seeing everything yeah. but being the most neglected. Yeah. And so... I have, I didn't get all the classes mm-hmm. like my older sister got, you know, that sort of stuff. I didn't yeah. get the extra training. It was something I had to do for myself. Um, but luckily because my sister um, is quite a mother hen, she's like, you know, nine years older than me, my yeah. older sister, she's quite the mother hen. And so she got a job teaching at a performing arts studio and she asked the owner, would it be okay if my my little sister came and danced for free? Would that be okay? Because we didn't really have the resources at that time when everything was a bit crazy in the house. Mm. So I got to train for free as my sister was the teacher. And that's really it's so amazing. Like I got to experience so much through that little studio and the kindness of that studio mm. owner. So that was really, really cool. And then when I went into high school, I mean, I was out of home when I was 14. So when I went into high school, I kind of put myself through those school type programs. I was always one to put my hand up for the musical at the school, um, that sort of stuff. Even though, you know, maybe I didn't have anyone in the audience, I was like getting, you know, not always the lead role, but I was getting one of those supporting roles and things like that. I just loved it. If there was a school band, I was in. (laughs) Uh, That's kind of where it all stemmed from. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm really hearing your passion. You know, I'm, I'm looking at you because we're doing this interview via Zoom and I can see your whole face is lighting up, your eyes are shining and, you know, just this um just this passion that has absolutely yes. been with you since you were a child and and perhaps you know we, we can't always change our our past and things like that but perhaps for you that was one of the most important things um oh I think music saved me I think yeah. music saved my life I had I was hanging out with some ruffians being a kid that's moved out of home at 14 as a teenager And honestly, I can honestly say that it's because I had this external passion or desire, even though I didn't know how to get there, Being, I wanted to be an artist. I wanted to be in the arts. I had no guidance. I didn't know how to get there, but I knew it was there. And so even though I was hanging out with some pretty crappy people, um, in the back of my mind, I knew there was more 
Yeah. And so that's actually what kept me going. And I would continue, like I'd go for a little audition. I'd try a few things. I'd do different things. And so that's actually, I I think music was my savior. I really do. And that's why I'm such an advocate for it. I'm so passionate about it. And I truly believe in the uh, benefits, you know, the mental, the physical, the emotional benefits of the performing arts for children. Absolutely. Do you, do you feel, Joe, that there was a kind of a turning point? I mean, you you know, as we get older, we tend to have a little bit more wisdom as we grow up and things like that. But do you feel like there was a turning point through, um, you know, was there just this one audition that really made a difference or a one person or? Funny. No one's asked me that question. I do love that question, though, because I do have a pivotal moment. Um, I was working at I was 19 was I 19 18 something Mm. it's when you go through by the way just for anyone that hasn't experienced that sort of a childhood trauma when you do your years are foggy so it's very hard um, in my young years to know exactly what age I was at particular points Mm. Um, so there's a uh, like a bit of a fog in in the memory there but I do remember I would have been late teens something like that And um, I'd quit school because that's what you do um, when you don't have any guidance. Mm. (laughs) And I was working in a train, you know, those um, registered training organizations as a receptionist. Okay. Yeah. So I got a job as a receptionist really randomly by this lovely woman, um, this lovely New Zealander lady who, who gave me a shot. And put me on as a receptionist. And it was a real admin role. It was full time. I was like an intern getting, you know, like an internship sort of payment, not much money. And I was just so, oh God, it was bored. soul destroying. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I'm a creative. Yeah. And I didn't know that I was going to be this you know, have this prolific creative career and only be a creative in my life and, and obviously um, loving business as well. But I was sitting there and I remember this is when you had the yellow pages. Yes. And, you know, the, the directory, the phone directory, and I was flicking through and I thought, I think I just, I, I think I need to go do a class. Why don't I just go find a class? And I, and I opened up the booklet, found this studio and I rang them and I said, hey, I just, I want to come and do like a class, uh, just a casual class. What have you got? And then they said, oh, well, no, actually, we're a full-time college and we're auditioning for um, students to come in as full-timers. And I went, oh, you, wow, could I do that? And so I registered. Yeah. I went for the audition. I sang I'm in chains from Tina Arena. Chains. <laughs> because you were, you were in chains right at that moment. I my heart out on oh, that. Joe. And then they got me to dance. I had no, I was so broke. I was such a broke young person. Yeah. I had safety pin in my bloody shorts to keep them up and that sort of like literally broke. And, and I got in and I went, oh my God, I got in, I got in. I worked three jobs. I did whatever I could. I was loving it. And yeah, that was the turning point. I remember I got into the school and I, and I've done this a couple of times in my life. I kept trying to go, no, no, I should be an office person because that's Mm -hmm. what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. So then I did that course. Then I went back to being an office person. And each time I end up in the boss's office and I'm just like, I'm so sorry, I have to leave. But why? You're doing so well. I just want to, I just want to dance. (laughs) 
I love it. I just, I remember saying that I was working part-time at a real estate office once. This is my early twenties and I was doing really well. I got, you know, yeah. what an employee of the month and <laughs> things. And I just went up to him and went, I have to go. I'm so sorry, Tom. And he's like, but why are you doing so well? You're employee of the month. I said, I just want to dance. <laughs> what was his response? Did he kind of look at you go, like, what? I didn't understand it. <laughs> and, and, I, and I remember that day too. I, I've done this many. I've walked out on these office jobs so many times. Mm. And, and then I realized mm. I meant to be in the arts. Yeah. But then it's about making a career of it, right? It's yeah. really a big thing. So it's difficult um, for so that was a journey in itself. Yeah. But yes, that was my turning point when I opened up the Yellow Pages asking for a dance class yeah. and they told me there was a full-time course. Yeah. yeah. And you did it by mistake. You just thought it was a random. Yeah, totally. Thing. I had no idea. I love this. Things like this don't happen just, you know, it's not luck. It's not chance. It was meant to happen. It was and meant to you, you know, you've got. You've got four studios, don't you, in Sydney? Yeah. So I used to have um, seven. Yeah. And now I have four. So uh, I run a program called Musical Makers Club. Right. Uh, it is a musical theatre-based program. So we do singing, dancing and acting. Right. It's very much production focused. So our goal is the show title, which, right. you know, each season we do a different title, each season being six months. So this season we're doing Frozen Junior. Last mm -hmm. season we did Camp Rock. We've done Aladdin. We've done, you know, The Adams mm -hmm. Family, you name it. Um, and we service children from four to 12 years. Right. It wasn't always that way. We used to have programs from as little as 18 months. Yes. but I decided that wasn't for me. And we used to have programs up to 18 years, but again, decided that wasn't for me. So our happy place is that four to 12 years and we'll get a 13 year old, we'll get a three-year-old, you mm. know, but that's the age the guide. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you find that you, what kind of things do you bring in um, to, to support this engagement and support the connection? Cause I'm, you know, obviously this is a creative expression Um you've obviously got to have a passion and an interest in mm. singing, dancing and performance. How do you, how do you really maintain that sort of uh, connection between all the students and between teachers? And do you have sort of rituals or routines that you yeah, do? Yeah. So the biggest thing that I think, especially because obviously having so many sites, I've got four sites, plus we've got a virtual studio, by the way, mm. where we do private lessons. Yeah. We call that our fifth site. Yeah. Um, but the biggest thing that we've had to create, firstly, to build a beautiful community and connection with our students is I had to get the team right. So the first step really was training the team and having a major focus on culture. Mm. And, you know, basically I'm looking at the wall here. We've got what we call our immutable laws, which are our core values. So mm. our core values are so important and they are a part of not only my my core values list but it's also what I train to my team and then that flows on to our students the students you know yeah. we're talking things from be bold be brave is one yeah. of our core values um shine bright yeah. positivity or death yeah. <laughs> is one of our core values oh, I love that one <laughs> yeah positivity or death um no toxic people allowed yeah uh, give to give is our number one core value and when we talk about giving and I'm looking up again so it says give to get 
implies that you have a hidden agenda. We believe in giving for the joy of giving, getting is irrelevant. So when we're in class, it's, when we think about giving, we think about mon monetary value, things mm. like that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about sometimes, especially when we're teaching little people or young people, any teachers, we give our energy, we give our all in the room. And sometimes it's not reciprocated. Mm. And it's easy to fall into a lull as a teacher or walk into it, especially if it's a challenging classroom yeah. to walk in and go oh, and be defeated before it even starts yeah but just remembering that we're not there to it's not a reward for us we're trying to reward them of course we want to have a rewarding career and feel good about ourselves in the classroom absolutely but I do believe that if we go in with a giving mentality mm. that we walk out happier ourselves so that's one of our core values but I think having that training landscape across um, everything we do yeah. these immutable laws and these core values have been so important then that flows through to our community so community engagement is a really big thing I actually just released a um, a checklist on student retention and that mm. is People think student retention, what's that got to do with what we're talking about? But it absolutely does because oh, it's about how we keep people engaged, coming back, you mm. know, including special special events, activities, things that we can do to engage the community outside of the classroom. Mm. So building those friendships and fostering those connections is really, really a big thing. Um, but it starts with team and it yeah. starts with the teacher. Yeah, and the mindset isn't it really totally. that growth positivity that mindset rather than a fixed I am doing this for myself I am in this alone yes. no that's that's not going to serve anybody it's going yeah. to actually that is going to create a toxic environment isn't it yes yeah. and you know and as you might have noticed that those lists of things that I rambled off to you yeah. none of them had to do with make sure children are pointing their toes and behaving yeah. in class and yeah. Of course, we want to have quality in what we provide and the technique. And that's, but mm. that to me is secondary to the mindset piece. Definitely. If we walk in, you know, ready to give, yep. if we walk in in a positive mindset, uh, you know, if we walk in and we talk about shine bright, so that's our seventh core value. Mm. Uh, we believe in that everyone is talented, everyone mm. has a gift to share with the world. We aim for inclusiveness because we believe everyone is a star and deserves to shine. Yeah. It sounds naff, but it's not. It's if not. we actually think of that as though every single person we serve is a star, we mm. are all stars shining brightly. It's just mm. about where does the talent lie? Yeah. Everyone's got a talent. I truly believe it. And it may not be in their ability to hit the right notes. Yeah. It could be that they're a wonderful leader. Mm. And so finding those, those little uh, qualities within each of our students has been monumental in keeping them and also providing a positive experience. For example, you know, some kids just don't get the lead role. Of course they don't. We've got a cast of 60 to 70 per mm. show. We've got a couple of casts mm. um, per season. And, you know, there's like 15 leads if lucky. Yeah. yeah. So how do we engage the ones that are not the leads? We have, you know, people that are our group leaders. We have, you know, our we have awards for people that are community spirit 
you know, strongest effort, blah, 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 all that mm. sort of thing. But also we don't audition. So we're a non-competitive, non-audition. Well, that's interesting. Is that something that's quite specific to you in your yes. in your um, So we're the only, own, and because we talk about being the only inclusive musical theatre program in Australia. Oh, and when yeah. I say that, they're going, you're not the only inclusive. Yeah. We're, we're inclusive. But you actually believe it. You I believe it. it. You are in I practice. believe it yeah. because I know that no other studio has a non-audition policy. Mm. You don't audition. So when people come to the Musical Makers Club, they're coming to be a part of the program, mm. not to get Elsa in Frozen. That's fantastic. And so we that's taken a while to adopt that and for people to understand. Yeah. So we don't cast until week four of the program. Mm -hmm. So that first month of the program is workshopping characters. They get to try on different things. Mm -hmm. So they get to be Elsa. They get to be Anna. If they want to play Sven, they can. Yeah. We get them to workshop all of these different characters. And then in week four, by the time we get there, we've also mentally prepared the student yeah. that they may not get what they, are, they want. Yeah. And that that's okay. And we're not here for that. We're here to be a part of this wonderful community musical experience. We're going to support our friends. If mm. our best friend gets the role we dreamed of, just know that that's okay. It doesn't mm. mean you're not worthy, you're not talented. Mm. It just means that someone else was more suitable for the role on the day and mm. that is okay. Mm. So in week four, we make cast announcements yeah. and everyone gets on with it. There is always one child in every group that will be upset. Yeah. We acknowledge that. We say if anyone's feeling sad, come and speak to us privately mm. after the class. We want to talk to you. Mm. And I said, and I always say, and likewise, if someone's feeling really happy, yeah. come and talk to come us. Come and talk, yeah. And do yeah. they? Do you find that? Yes. Yeah. That's good. Absolutely. We have kids in tears saying, why didn't I get, why didn't I get it? I don't understand. We yeah. have to have those conversations. That's when I start talking about life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like, hey, guess what? Do you know that as a professional artist who's worked in the industry for 20 years, if I got the ensemble of a professional musical theatre show, I would be over the moon. Yeah. Yeah. I said, it's because you're young and I understand it. I said, but just know that it's okay and that you are talented. You are worthy. You're deserving. It's just there were 20 people in the room that wanted to be Elsa, but yeah. there is only one Elsa, okay? Yeah. And that's the way it, it unfolded today. I always say just trust me, trust in the process. Why yeah. don't you come back next week and, and get into the role, yeah. feel it. You're going to have fun. Yeah. You just need to get yeah. over this little moment. It's really, it's really wonderful that you do that lead up. I think what I'm taking from what you've just said is the lead up, that introduction, those four weeks of feeling like everybody's, you know, getting used to each other, the excitement of what might happen, the excitement of trying something new, the nerves that go with that. And then this four week, you know, you're going to um, say who's, who's got this part or who's got that part. And, you know, it's so important to build resilience and build community like that because we we don't want to, um, especially with our young children, we don't want them growing up in a world that is just giving them everything that they want at the time and, you know, no questions asked. 
you know. We, yeah, that's wondering. the challenge. Yeah, mm. it is a real challenge. And, you know, I see that I, I certainly don't teach in a group way like you do. My students are one-to-one, but I still have those, you know, those moments where we need to have conversations about, um, you know, the the skill set that you have. You know, I have students that are awesome at reading music. They're just, they just get it. And I have students that find reading notes challenging but their auditory their their understanding of their of the music and the rhythm is fantastic so they can be really wonderful at improvising you know there's all different types of gifts and talents within creative expression whether it be music dance or drama totally and then when you think you know in terms of what you do with production there's all the people behind the scenes the set creators the you know the camera people the lighting all of those people are really important and that's where it's it sounds like you're creating such a wonderful community of learning and a recognition that everybody has a different shining you know that everybody yeah. has a different star to shine yeah we're very mindful of that I think it's a challenge always <clears throat> and you're never going to make every single person happy. No. Uh, there's, and because actually, that's out of your control. <laughs> yeah, oh, totally. Look, it's funny because we do do an orientation before each um, production every six months uh, where most parents that are new attend and we give the parents a five-minute, five to ten-minute chat Q&A session before the workshop starts because mm. they're about to invest in a six-month program. Yeah. So we want to make sure that they understand, here's the show dates, this is what we do, this is what we're about, this is our, these are our core values, Mm. this is our expertise, okay. Mm. Um, And I do say, I go, and just parents, I make a joke of it and they all laugh, but it's like I'm I'm just pushing it in there. Yeah. It's just so you know, we don't, um, we're a non-competitive space. I don't, you cannot hold me for ransom. I've had that before, actually. I've had a mum say to me, <laughs> "If what was it? If my son's not, you know, this role, then we're out. And I'll be oh. like, that's okay. Then we're not for you. No, yeah. definitely not. <laughs> but thank um, you for being honest. But, mm. you know, so we don't get held for to ransom at all. But I'll say that. I go, you know, I don't take kindly to mm. that sort of thing. And I said, and usually the kids are fine. They're resilient and they move on. It's the parents that yeah. can be a little bit crazy so I'm just letting you know we have a zero tolerance for that sort of thing and the parents have a giggle in the orientation but I'm like just just remember that (laughs) (laughs) but I think that's another wonderful thing you're setting your expectations clearly you're not such a beautiful community I'm telling you because we never used to do any of this ah okay parents teachers that were just honestly militant soldiers Mm. and one teacher this was back when I first started she sent one of the children out because I don't know they were talking in class or something and she got them to stand in the hallway like Mm. like it was 1980 and the 100% the kid was crying and then we lost them as a student they didn't want to come back the following week that's not what I want that's not my style you know how did you go from changing that culture my immutable laws. Yeah. I created a court. I, I said to myself, something is wrong. I had, I was abused by parents backstage mm. one show. Like we had a dance mums moment, you know, the mm. show dance mums. And I was like, wow, yeah. I feel like 
I'm in the middle of a dance mum's episode. Oh. It was bad. I was threatened. I was threatened with abuse. I had to go back. I was in tears backstage at a concert. I had people boycott things. It was literally a dance mum's episode. And I thought, how did we, I had to fire a staff member on site. I thought, how did I get here? Mm. What's happened? This was in my first couple of years. Mm. This was when I was trying to be a dance studio, by the way. This was before I niched into musical theatre and mm. I was trying to replicate what others were doing Yeah, until I found my feet, found what my actual calling was, and then that's when we actually grew and thrived. But I sat down and thought, what's gone wrong here? What is happening? And I realised pretty quickly that my values were not being communicated, mm. that I was having an I was just expecting that everyone was going to think the way I thought like isn't it obvious that we're kind to each other (laughs) no not at all well it is obvious but sometimes well not sometimes I truly believe now I assume nothing I assume that everybody has a totally different mindset to me and that the way we get on the same page is through very clear communication. Mm. So that's when I decided to create my um, immutable laws. These are the laws of the land. This is the way I want to operate not only in my my life, but Mm. also in my business. And if people want to be in my world, they must abide by the laws of this land, (laughs) which is no toxic people allowed. If you want to, um, if you want to talk badly about your fellow team member, talk badly about our students, talk badly about our clients in front of each other. That is not my jam. Mm. That's not the community I want to foster. Mm. I make that very clear. That's not to say they can't have a gripe, but if they have a gripe, we're very clear on how to communicate that. If you have a problem with a team member, a student or a client, come and speak to me. If you have a problem with me, speak to our lovely Onyx in the office or whoever our, um, we have a, you know, someone who's our administrator, speak to them. It's okay. I understand you don't have to like me all the time. Mm. Speak to them and Mm. she will become the mediator for you and I. Mm. We must communicate our gripes. That is number one. No toxic people allowed. And honestly, I used to have toxic clients that would put, hold me to ransom and I'd I'd be so scared to lose the money, you know. Yes. I'd be like, oh, God, I've got to do what they say. Got to give them the solo. Got to give them the thing because if I don't, they won't pay me and I need their money, yeah. right? So it's, it's yeah. coming from a place of desperation. Yeah. But you never grow in a place of desperation. That's what I learned. When I was acting desperate, I was attracting desperate. Mm. People going, what am I going to do to get my kid in the top spot? Yeah, I'm desperate, right? I'm I'm the desperate business owner. Now I'm attracting desperate people. Yeah, It doesn't work. It's the law of attraction 101. It really is. I was you just know? thinking about that. We are a mirror to ourselves and other people and, and, you know, bringing it back to whether you're working with adults or whether adults are your main interaction. You know, I know you work with young children, but you're ultimately working with their guardians who are adults. 100%. Same. We've got two clients. Yeah. In exactly. every family. We've got you the have. student and, and the adult. parent. Mm. Yes. And 
if I think about the the toxicity that you're talking about as well, you know, this is rife through early childhood education because mm. we're just, I, I don't know why and it's not my job to find out why. It's just something that I've observed over my 20 odd years in the industry as well. And it's it's really coming from that lack of feeling like you're valued, lack of community, lack of communication and that mm. mindset that I'm out here for myself. You know, we need to really change, we need to shift our focus and shift our perspective towards connection, engagement, valuing diversity, all of those things, but not just philosophically talking about them and having it up on the wall. Those those are really important things because, you know, early childhood educators, they need to have a philosophy, of a philosophy statement of what their early learning service is going to, you know, foster and things like that. But if we're not practicing it, if Correct. we're not having those difficult conversations or having those reflections and saying, well, actually, I don't agree with that or I'm wondering why you're doing it that way or, you know, mm. if we don't foster those communities, then how are we supposed to foster and nurture that in the young children that we're working with? Totally. And I love that what you just said about it's not just pinning it up on the wall and mm. that is what a lot mm. of you know, businesses and, you know, uh, businesses like ours that yeah. teach children, to, no matter whether you're early childhood or whatever. I mean, my sister's the director of a childcare centre. Yeah. And she's very much about communicating the values. Mm. But likewise, she's worked in places where they do just pin it up on the wall. I've worked in places where they pin it up on the wall. Heck, yeah. I used to pin it up on the wall yeah. and I still do, but I don't just pin it up on the wall anymore. Mm. I have to talk about it. I have mm. to train it. I have to remind people when it, when we're, when the values have been lost and we fall off track, we all do. Of course. I have to remind people that just remember we, we give to give. Mm. And I know that you were expecting a thank you from that person in that moment and it didn't happen, but know that your work is valued mm. and we're here to give, okay? Yeah. So those moments, and I have to remind myself, I mean, I remember one year all the teachers got presents from the parents and the students and I didn't. Oh, no, really? Yes, yes, yes. But in the moment I felt a bit hurt. I yeah. thought, oh, you know, everyone got a present but me and I'm the one that put this damn show on. Yeah. <laughs> I remembered, wow, what a good job I've done yeah. because they don't, I don't even need to be here. Yeah. I've created a community that they're all thanking each other. They're yeah. showing gratitude to each other. That's and I've wanted. trained and fostered mm. that. Mm. I didn't receive it. But I'm, but I, I receive it from myself. It's very internal, mm. hard work, man. Being the boss sometimes yeah. it, it can be the most thankless job. Yeah. But give to give. That's my yeah. number one. And yeah. then I just remind, give to give, Joe. You're here to give. You've you've done a good job. Look at the gratitude amongst your community. Wow, mm. it's hard work. You know, sometimes that's why I've got bells in my room. I've got I have pom poms in my room to lift my own personal energy because sometimes I remember the other day my daughter walks in and she overheard me going, good job, Joe, good job. And she's like, mom, what are you doing here? I'm like, I did a good thing and I'm telling myself I did a good job. I said, because she said, why are you doing that? I said, 
because I don't work for anyone else. (laughs) If I don't tell myself I've done a good job, who's going to tell me? I love that. I do that and my boys will say, who are you talking to? I said, I'm talking to myself and they just laugh at me. <laughs> you're a weird bum. But you're right. It's, it, it is. We have to because sometimes, you know, like you said, they, your teachers and your students were exchanging physical material gifts, yeah. which is, an, you know, an external, um, external uh, evidence that they, you know, that they really appreciate each other, whereas yours was not external as a material thing but it was a it was a a validation of all the wonderful internal characteristics and internal um uh, I've lost my words internal you know moments that you're wanting to to create and foster and nurture and totally yeah and I think we just live in a society that you know values the material totally and it's hard it's Mm. hard sometimes to step outside of that and we bring that Oh, sorry, I was just going to say, I think it's also very important as a teacher yeah. uh, to recognise or a business owner, a teacher, uh, a human really, to mm-hmm. recognise that we're not always right either. So exactly. these rules and laws and core values, whatever you want to call them, they're not just for the team to mm-hmm. abide by. Mm-hmm. They are for me. And so I can be really high strung in a, I used to be, now I'm more chill, but in a performance environment, you know, you've got 600 guests coming, you've got 70 kids backstage, you've got the costume director, like you said, the lighting guy, the production guy, the sound guy, you know, five staff, the the children minders backstage with the minis, like all this stuff. And it's a lot of pressure. Mm. And I used to get very high strung Mm. um, at the show. Um, So I'd I'd tell my coaches, because I recognize it in myself, Mm. I'd say, look, I can get really like I've got a really big energy I mean you can tell talking to me I'm a passionate Mm. speaker I can be a real I'm a big personality um so when I'm heightened it can come off harsh Mm. really harsh and that's not what I want so I'll tell my team look guys if you see me out of line I'm speaking to a kid out of line I'm I'm too heightened or something's out of whack can you just let me know yeah let me know and I've had it I've had one I've had the team member go hey Joe, just um, is it okay if we bring it down a notch? And I'm yeah. like, thanks. I really appreciate that. Yeah, yes. That's great. Thank you. And so, so yeah, just recognizing that you need that within yourself. Mm. So it's not just, a, and like it's, it's embodying the behavior. It's not just talking about it, pinning it up on the wall. It's saying, mm. I take accountability. I'm a part of this story and not, I, I know I'm not your friend. I'm your boss and I get it. No one wants to be my friend. I don't get invited to the after party, but <laughs> I don't. That can hurt too. Yeah. I'm cool. <laughs> but I get it. Um, no one's inviting me to the after party. Got it. But mm. like, you know, I have to embody it. I have mm. to embody it. I have to demonstrate it and show it to the children. So if I'm out of line, I've done it before. And I'll say, I'm so sorry. Yeah. I've stepped out. I've, I'm just a little stressed, but I'm, I'm, going to pull that back okay that's so So, important as an educator no matter what your role is yeah is to just and as a parent as well you know Mm -hmm. I've got my my eldest is at that age um he's 10 now and he is aware of those double standards he's like mom you're being really mean right now and I'm like oh I didn't mean I didn't realize that I was or being a little bit too stressed or being a little bit this you know that comment was really mean and 
And I'm like, oh, thank you so much for, you know, reminding me that what I'm expecting of you, I need to expect of myself as well. So Mm. it's that it's, you know, the old way of being an educator or a teacher was that you were the holder of all the knowledge and you must abide by my rules and this and that. That's, that's old style now. That no, We know now, not just from anecdotal evidence, but from neuroscientist evidence that that does not create a safe environment where we can learn and optimise student success, you know. So, yeah. yeah, I think that leads really nicely into something that I want to touch on quickly before we go. Tell us a little bit more about this checklist that you've um, that you're you're offering at the moment. Yeah, so it's a student re-enrollment and retention checklist. Mm. So I have in there the ten essential you know points that can actually keep your students engaged, ongoing, term after term, year after year. <clears throat> what I find is a lot of people at this time of year, a lot of teachers, studio owners. Mm. Um, humans in general start to switch off. Oh yeah, because we're coming to the Christmas period, and I and that's really really easy to do, and I get mm. it. But the problem with that is is that the the worst time of the year for any creative performing arts business is the holiday season mm-hmm. between the re-enrollments mm. because you don't know what your numbers look like. Mm. Do you find that, Christy? I do. And I don't have a lot of students anymore, but it was definitely when I had lots of students, it would be like, oh, my gosh, what's going on and how yeah. am I going to plan for next year? And there was a certain totally. amount of stress with it. Yeah, so mm. the idea of this checklist is to eliminate the stress and to give studio owners and teachers um, the ideas and resources and tools to start the re-engagement campaign now. And it is a campaign. It is. And you might go, oh, no, but I'll, I'll wait till January. January's too late. They've already signed up to soccer, netball, swimming. Yeah. Okay. We need to be front of mind if we want to maintain our students. Mm. So there are some marketing activities in there, but there's also really simple things like step one is literally create the plan. Mm. Create a plan that is six to eight weeks before the exit date of your season mm. because otherwise there you, you just you just don't know you're 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 flying through the air not knowing how many people you've got and this is your bread and butter yeah. this is your money this is your family's money mm. and we have to think about it mm. so the re-engagement techniques are, are predominantly marketing based but also community based ideas as well for example running a school holiday program mm. creating something that brings them together mm. and connects them as a community one tip i'll give everyone which is the simplest free thing you can do right now you could do it today is to create a one to two page PDF document of your what's on schedule. Oh, fantastic. What's happening in the next six to 12 months? Mm. Because six to 12 months from now, if they know what's on the Halloween party, oh, we can't leave now. Next week's Halloween party. Oh, we've got the, that Estedford, the, the piano um, Estedford coming up in March. Well, we can't leave now because we've trained all this time. We've got to do it. The exams are coming. Oh, we're going to be doing the community performance down at the old people's centre. Mm. Whatever. Mm. Whatever's on 
And the trick to creating a what's on this far in advance, because everyone goes, well, I don't freaking know what's on. Like, I'm just going to get through Christmas. Yeah. Don't get bogged down in the details. This is yeah. not a hardcore schedule. This is a what's on. In September, we're going to be doing our mid-year showcase. Mm. I don't know where it is. I don't know the date. I don't know the time, but in September, That's what's gonna happen. <laughs> this is what's on. Yeah. So it's it doesn't have to be exact. It can be a date if you know it, but don't get bogged down in the details. If you know in October next year you want to run a Halloween disco, mm. you don't know the date, you don't know the venue, you don't know the time, in the what's on schedule, say Halloween disco in October. Yeah. Details, TBC, yeah. fine. At least they know. It also holds you accountable. I was right? going to say that that accountability as well. 100%. Oh. So you wanted to run this. You've been wanting to do a Halloween event for forever. Mm. I'm using Halloween as an example because we're yeah, not. because it's so coming far. up. Mm. And it's such a beautiful community engagement opportunity. Mm. It could be simple as Halloween week where we have um, students coming in dressed up into their classes, whether that be private or group. Mm. And at the end of the week, someone will be announced on social media as the winner of the best dressed and winning a Halloween hamper with yeah. lollies in it. Yeah. Do you get what I mean? It, yeah. Make it fun. Mm. Make it fun. Yeah. That's the key. Community, like they, they come for you, right? They want to learn music with Christy, right? Yeah. You're the teacher. I've heard Christy's a really good teacher, the parent yeah. says. We come for Christy. They come for Christy. They stay for the community. Yeah. It's the truth. If you can create fun, engaging community space events, even just that Halloween dress up, that costs you nothing. They're coming into the classroom, right? The, the key to the successes as well, though, when you run these things is to share the wins. Yeah. So you don't just then go, oh, yeah, you won. Here's your hamper. Yeah, take a photo. You put it on social media. You yeah. do a live video in your private group. You put it in the newsletter. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. So it's not just, hey, let's privately do this wonderful experience, even though that's such a humble thing to do. <laughs> that's not a technique. No, so I mean, you're in for the performance. That's your whole jam. <laughs> right. So we want to bring um, the performance to the outcome. Exactly. Yeah. We, want to it. we want to show people. Yeah. And so that's really the key. But anyway, guys, if you're interested in that free, it's totally free, free download checklist. Um, it's called Student Re-Enrollment and Student Retention Checklist. Um, I can give you a link, Christy, to pop yes. in the show notes if you Definitely. like. But um, it's josephinelanecuba.com forward slash checklist one. Uh, my name, yeah. Yeah, Not everyone can spell it. Cuba. Wonderful. But, but I love that. But yeah, it's just let's let's just engage that community. But yeah, I do believe in other other techniques that are really purely marketing focused. Mm. Um, but I just thought the what's on is the easiest I just free thing so. you can do now. Yeah. And you really are, you know, you've got just thinking back to all the topics that we've covered, and I'm I'm going to come up with more ideas when I listen back to it. But you've just there's this beautiful connection and this passion for connecting a community but also turning that theory into practice and you know people listening to me are going to oh here she goes again turning theory into practice but there's so much value in that and you've just given us you know a really wonderful tip turn your ideas into practice turn your oh I want to do a Halloween thing turn it into a reality Yes. Create, you know, do what is passionate, do what you find passion, passionate and involve other people in it. And 
Yeah, it's been such wonderful time chatting with you, Joe. Thank you so much for sharing your personal story as well as your, you know, your professional journey as well. And and for everybody listening out here, oh, there's just so many wonderful things that I know you're going to take away with you in and and bring it into your own personal life and professional life as well. Yes. And and guys, if you want to have a chat, you can find me on Instagram as well at Josephine Lancuba. Be sure to send me a DM. I'd love yeah. to hear, you know, what your next idea is. So yeah. let's start a conversation. I'm so about connection. I'm yeah. I'm very much about connection and I love that you've identified that because I haven't really thought of it in that sense. But mm. um, the way you worded that was beautiful. Um, what was Thank it? You. Turning it into practice. I, I like just, that. I'm all about turning theory into practice. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Theory into practice. Yeah. I feel like that's what I do just intuitively. Mm. Yes. Um, but yes, that's exactly. And I think that's why you and I connect so quickly and so strongly mm. is that we are all about you know, making sure that people actually are talking the talk and walking the walk. Yes, it's so easy to just pin something on the wall and never read it again. I mean, that's the easy way out, but we just don't, we just don't develop or grow. No, So yes, theory into practice. Um, That's the end. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful. Well, thanks again so much, Joe, for for coming on the show today. And you have the best day and I look forward to... uh, seeing what you've got coming up next. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Joe. We'll chat to you again soon. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This episode was brought to you by my signature course, Music and Mindset, the most comprehensive online course for early childhood educators and carers. You can check it out at moversandshakersmusic.com.au. Remember the double O in movers along with lots of other free resources to inspire you and boost your confidence and skills. If you love this episode, please spread the joy. Share it with a friend, tag me on social media at Movers and Shakers Music. And remember to download it and give it a rating because that really helps us to continue creating content that's relevant and useful for you and for many others. I'm Christy Russell and I'm here to help you understand why music and mindset matters. See you again soon.